Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homers and Podcast, part of Sooner Sports Radio on the V-Sporto Network. Uh, took last week off for a little vacation, but we're back. And uh, Oklahoma's back as well this week, starting uh, fall camp uh, on Thursday of this week. So I uh, wanted to bring on Jason Kersey of the Oklahoman to uh, fill us in on some of the big stories and help us preview kind of what, what he thinks some of the uh, major storylines heading into fall camp are going to be. So let's go ahead. Welcome him on. Jason, how are you doing? Good, Alan. How are you, man? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks, man. So, uh, you know, I guess, I mean, are you all geared up for this? Uh, you know, does it, is it the kind of deal where uh, after this you're going to be on call pretty much seven days a week? Or how does uh, how's that work for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, starting probably tomorrow, it's going to be uh, it's it's going to be pretty crazy. I think you know when whenever things start happening, there's no media availability until next Saturday. But um, I, I don't think unless something comes up. But uh, but you know we've got a lot of stuff from Big Twelve Media Days and other things to, to keep us going. And um, and yeah, you know uh, once once OU Media Day hits next Saturday, it is it's off to the races. You know, I don't think I got to talk to you uh, after uh, Big 12 media days. Do you have any just general impressions of uh, some of the stuff that was said there, Bob Stoops' demeanor, that kind of stuff? Anything really uh, stick out to you? I, I thought he was in a really good mood, uh, surprisingly. I, I didn't think that he would be. Um, but, you know, he was friendly. He, he actually came up to me and, and said hello and shook my hand, which, you know, he never does. <laughs> um, and uh, so it, it was a little bit strange. Um so yeah, I thought he was in a good mood. He he seemed to answer everything pretty well. He seemed to handle some of the tougher questions uh, about as well as he could. And um, and then uh, in terms of the players, you know, I I, I still think it was sort of I, I get why they brought Trevor Knight uh, completely. He's I don't think it, I really do believe Stoops uh, when he says it has nothing to do with his place in the quarterback battle. That it's more of his uh, ability to be a good team spokesman and and say the right things, but. Uh, you know, it was still kind of strange to me that he came, uh, only because Bob in the past has has, when there was a quarterback battle, he shielded his quarterbacks from having to answer the kinds of questions that Trevor obviously had to answer a lot. Uh, Big Twelve Media Days. You know, I'm not sure how familiar you are with exactly how Big Twelve Media Days works, but for the players, they they go through uh, and go through the different TV networks. They do some radio interviews, and then in the afternoon. Uh, they sit behind a podium for an hour and a half and, and answer questions. And a lot of times, you know, reporters are sort of milling around, going to different people. So they wind up answering the same questions, you know, 10 or 15 yeah. times uh, occasionally. And when it's Trevor Knight, uh, a lot of it is, what the heck happened last year? Why couldn't you replicate the Sugar Bowl? Um, are you going to even be the quarterback this year? Why are you here? Things like that. And those are questions that Bob has always tried to keep his quarterbacks from having to answer when mm-hmm. there's a battle going on. Uh, so I think that um, it's a little bit strange, but I, I do think it sort of speaks to how much he trusts Trevor. So that was, to me, the most interesting thing. And then besides that, Eric Stryker's yeah. 
always an entertaining guy to hang around. So I, I was actually around him most of the day. Yeah, you know, I uh, I listened to your podcast with him, uh, you, the podcast you and Ryan neighbor did with him, and uh, yeah, you know, it's it's amazing to me. He uh, he's one of those guys who, I mean, especially the way he plays. You know, I mean, so aggressive and everything. It's uh, you don't really you don't really get a sense of, of who he is though. I mean, because you know he's kind of been for the most part kind. Of, I wouldn't say off limits, but he just hasn't really been out front and center in front of the media. And uh, you know, especially since all this happened with SAE, he's one guy who has uh, been really really kind of cool to watch his personality kind of blossom and see him get the opportunity to uh, be more out in front of the media. And I'm I'm glad he's getting that opportunity. Yeah, you know, uh, the thing about uh, my relationship with Eric has been a little bit a little bit strange because, you know, when, when he was a true freshman, he played on special teams, you know, a lot, but he never came into the interview room. Nobody really had a reason to ask for him. Uh, then his sophomore year when he started a bunch, the first few times he came in and talked to us, it was very combative. He, he didn't really like being questioned. Um, you could, I, I don't think he particularly enjoyed it. Um, he... I, I, to be honest with you, I think a lot of the writers and, and sometimes myself included thought the guy was kind of a jerk. I mean, he mm-hmm. just was, wasn't very friendly. And, uh, you know, you could tell he just wanted to get out of there. He was short with his answers a lot. Um, and that all started to turn around, I would say, in the summer uh, before last season. Uh, I, I did a few stories about him for uh, for our football preview section uh, that comes out, you know, about a week before every season starts. Uh, and, and I got to know his mom and I got to know his high school coaches pretty well through that process. And, uh, I found out that his mom was in law school in her forties and, uh, you know, I thought that was interesting. So I asked to talk to Eric privately one-on-one about that. And that's really when he started to open up to me. Um, and, and after that, we had a really good relationship and, and that really kind of, uh, uh, showed itself, I think. Um, after the SAE thing, when I was very surprised at that call from him, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the aftermath of that, that, before I really, I was in Dallas for the Big 12 Women's Basketball Tournament, um, having dinner with some family members, and my phone rang, and it was him, uh, and it was weird, because I'd never talked to him on the phone before, uh, and he just said, hey, I, I need to say some things, and I trust you, so we had an interview, um, I'm not sure if you remember that story, mm-hmm. but oh, yeah. oh, no, I want to be in a really it. good story. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, and then after that, he goes on CNN, uh, and now I think he's really starting to open up, and and uh, and he's a lot funnier. You know, he, uh, you know, last uh, last summer or maybe it was last preseason. You know, he started making fun of uh, Barry Trammell, <laughs> the way he dresses. You know, in uh, in 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 interview sessions. Um, so that was sort of him opening up. He did that again to Barry at Big Twelve Media Days. He actually was standing there and yelled, hey, Barry, get over here, and started making fun of the way he dresses. So, I mean, it was all sort of fun, and and uh, you, I think that sort of sh- came through on the podcast, too. You know, mm-hmm. he's just a, he's just very comfortable, um, you know, with the media now, <clears throat> and fortunately, he's comfortable with me, which is, you know, obviously a good thing. I like it when that happens. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very impressed with him. I think he's one of the most impressive guys on the team, uh, and, and that has nothing to do with football. He's just... He's a very impressive individual. You know, you mentioned Trevor Knight having to answer the same questions over and over and, and you know, stuff about what went wrong last year. Uh, did you get any sense from him as to, you know, tangibly what is going to be different about how the offense operates this year, what kind of stuff Lincoln Riley's emphasizing versus the previous system? Well, 
I think the biggest thing is, and, and I don't know that Trevor ever came right out and said this, but I think the most interesting thing uh, is that w- at least now OU sort of knows what its offensive identity is. And that was, I felt like, a problem with Josh Heupel. Yeah. Really, ever since he became the offensive coordinator, and I'm sure you'd agree, um, there was never really an identity. You never really knew what this team was or what they wanted to be. Um, and uh, and so I think now there's a much clearer idea. You know, Trevor Knight, one of the things he said was that, that Lincoln has really uh, insisted that you need to have a mentality that we're gonna we're gonna try to score every time we touch the ball um, on every play, and and I think that's a uh, probably an encouraging sign for for OU fans, and um, so uh, to me that's gonna be the biggest difference. I you know I think they're gonna um, really go back to to what worked for them in the early 2000s, um, and I and I think a lot of people are worried that that means that these running backs that they have, you know, the Samaje P. Ryan's, Alex Ross, Joe Mixon, aren't going to be able to have the impact that people think they should. But I don't think that's going to be an issue either because Lincoln Riley's version of the air raid really does emphasize their, their running backs. He's not Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Leach doesn't want to run the ball, I don't think. I think that if he could get away with it, he would never run the ball. Uh, Lincoln Riley's not like that. So um, to, uh, I'm not exactly sure what this offense is going to look like, but I think that we have a clearer idea of what they want to do than we did under Josh Heupel. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. I was trying to come up, I've been writing some you know preview type stuff, and I was trying to come up with a good description of what Oklahoma's offense was under Hypo, and I, I, I was really struggling, <laughs> you know. And I, you know, and honestly, too, I also put a lot of that on Bob Stoops. I mean, you know, I don't think that Hypo was the one who necessarily wanted to be running uh, so much of the uh, zone read and pistol stuff the last couple of years. So, no. uh, you know, I mean, no. it's up to Stoops, though, I mean, to, I guess, kind of, you know, no when no when to say when and it sounds like he did so uh well i think that i you know i think the thing about that they uh grossly overreacted to the cotton bowl i i think i think that they saw what johnny Menzel did and they thought we need a guy like that and they didn't have to do that i think that they got beat so bad and they got beat up by him and they thought if we can have a guy who can do that then we're gonna then we can do some really impressive things and uh and they just didn't have that trevor knight to Trevor Knight can be a good player. I think we've seen that before. But even in that Sugar Bowl, he wasn't doing the Johnny Manziel type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, really, he, he he's a different sort of player. And I think they I think they overreacted to the Cotton Bowl. That's my opinion. Yeah, you know, and and I don't know. I think they were trying to clearly get something else going though with that offense, and uh, you know, it, it clearly came at the to me the at the expense of the passing game. So, uh, yeah. you know, I guess then you know they're. A lot of questions, I think, coming in that people have about this uh, upcoming season. Uh, in terms of stuff on the field, like, you know, obviously there's none better, bigger than we just talked about the quarterback. Um, you know, I know you said we can't read much into uh, OU bringing Trevor Knight to media days. Everyone in the media seems to think that Baker Mayfield really has this just about sewn up. Uh, is there any chance that, the, in your mind, that uh, Baker Mayfield isn't the starting quarterback and do you think that there's a chance that oh you might play two two qbs this year i i don't think that it's a done deal i i think that baker mayfield's the favorite and i've said that for a while and, and yeah i know a lot of other uh people in the media have as well i you know that's just based on the things we heard throughout the spring um but i think trevor knight could still win the job you know i i was convinced at this point two years ago that blake bell was going to be the quarterback yeah. in 2013 and i was really shocked that it wasn't blake bell 
Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, obviously my, uh, my assessment to these things. Is not yeah, yeah, no, I'm with so, you. I'm with, I was um, with you though. So, I mean, but, um, but I, I do think he's still a favorite. Um, but I think Knights could have a chance. I think Cody Thomas has a chance, you know, Cody Thomas wasn't very good last year. I think everybody would agree with that, but at the same time, um, I think you do have to remember he had nobody to throw the ball to. Mm-hmm. And by nobody, I mean, nobody. Sterling Shepard wasn't playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No one else was doing very well. And um, if a guy, if the guy didn't have anybody to throw to that he could trust, that's going to really put a uh, that's going to make him look bad. So you know, Cody Thomas can throw the ball. He he can be a good player, um, and he's athletic, as we saw in the Texas Tech game last year. So yeah. I, I don't think it'd be wise to rule Cody Thomas out either. But um, but to me, Baker Mayfield's still the favorite. Yeah, you know Thomas is the guy. I keep saying this, but he's he's the guy that I, I as a fan, I hope wins the job because he's the one with. The, I know. I think, I've seen. You know, I've seen a lot of that. I've seen that on Twitter. You're you're a Thomas guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I I that's what I'm I'm hoping for. But um, so uh, any, is there any chance that they'll play two guys? Like any chance that they might oh, rotate? Yeah, I don't think so. That just doesn't seem like uh, Stoops' style, and um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure what that would accomplish. I think that, you know, the things that uh, I'm not sure that they're, that these three guys are different enough to warrant that. Um, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but uh, to me, they're all, they all three uh, do, a, do things a little bit differently and they're better at some things than others, but I, I don't know that they are uh, different enough to, to warrant uh, a two quarterback system. Although Bob Soups didn't rule that out uh, at Big 12 media days, you, you just, you never know though, if he's just, you know, trying yeah. to throw people off. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I could, I guess, I could see a scenario in which, I mean, you know, Knight uh, isn't like you mentioned. He isn't Johnny Manziel, but I mean, is it on designed runs and uh, you know, so, and when he actually, you know, kept the ball on reads, uh, I mean, he actually makes some moves out in the open field. It'd be interesting if they, you know, kept maybe some type of option package in there for him. But yeah, that that would mm-hmm. be about the only way I could see that working. Um, he's going to have to give the ball more though if they do, or take the ball more if they yeah, do that. Oh yeah, so I, you know, and I don't know, and I don't know whether that was uh, them telling him, "Hey, don't get hurt," or, um, or whether that was uh, you know him not knowing what to do or not feeling comfortable enough to do it. But there were so many times last year, and obviously I'm I'm no expert, but there were a lot of times last year when it seemed to me like he would have gained a lot of yards. He had a he had some openings to run the ball if he'd held on to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um. So I guess then other big questions, you know, offensive line is going to be an issue, I think, in the lines, particularly a lot of people nationally. You know, I mean, I look at it, and really OU's got two starters back because Nila Casatati played so much uh, there at that right guard spot, Ty Darlington back at center. Uh, but the other two, the other, pardon me, the other three spots, uh, we're going to have some new faces. Uh, do you get the sense that OU's concerned about this? You know, we had a chance to talk to Bill Beatonbow uh, last week a little bit, and he he didn't seem all that concerned. And, and you know, he's a guy who you know we haven't gotten a ton of opportunity to talk to him, but when we do, uh, he doesn't really BS you. I mean, he sort of tells it like it is, mm-hmm. and so I'm a little bit more inclined to trust him when he says that he feels good about things. Um, and, and so, you know, he he said that Derek Farniak looks better than he has uh, his entire time at OU. That's something that I'm a little bit skeptical of, to yeah. be honest. But, but uh, you know, again, Bow is not 
of all the coaches, he's the one who is the most tell it like it is coach. Um, and I think that if Farniok wasn't doing very well, I think that he'd probably say it. So, um, so he seems confident. We know that he's a great offensive line coach. Um, so I don't know that there's – I think there's obviously reason to be concerned. When you lose guys like Tyrus Thompson, Daryl Williams, Adam Shedd, Deontay Savage, and Tyler Evans, uh, who you know, obviously played a little bit last year, there, there's reason to be concerned. But um, I think the offensive line is in good hands. To, to me, even though they're losing a lot, um, I, I think that fans can be pretty confident that, that they're going to do a good job just because of Bill Bedenboe's track record. And then let's talk about the other side of the ball. You know, one of the questions that I have is, I mean, do you feel like, I know that OU went to the 3-4 the past couple of years. We saw that. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it definitely, in terms of how the front worked, it, it actually worked pretty well. You know, there there were clearly coverage issues a year ago. But now it, it seems as though they're going to more of a four-man front with, you know, Eric Stryker coming off the edge, uh, you know, kind of playing more of a defensive end almost, you know, stand-up end. Uh, is that the, the sense you get, or is there a chance that they'll still run some of the uh, straight 3-4 look? You know, I, I do get the sense that they're going to try to do some more of that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but at the same time, I, you know, I don't I, – I think what happened a couple of years ago was they realized they didn't have very many good defensive linemen that they yeah. could trust, but they felt like they had some more linebackers, um, and so they went that direction. I think now it's sort of shifted. I, I think that obviously getting Frank Shannon back helps, but uh, you know their linebacker depth isn't quite what it, I think they want it to be, but their defensive line depth is better. So um, so maybe that's why they're, they're considering making this shift. I'm not exactly sure, but... Uh, you know, to me, the the front seven wasn't the problem last year, no, no, and no. definitely wasn't the problem two years ago. Um, you know, I thought the defense really had some good games two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, I think people forget you lose Gabe Lynn, who had a really good season in 2013. You lose Aaron Colvin, um, and you're gonna have you're gonna have some problems. Um, so I, you know, I I don't really, uh, you know, to to me, I, I think that the the 3-4 still makes sense, but it, it does sound to me like they're shifting more in the other direction. But maybe they'll use both, and, and I think that if they can find a way to creatively use both, um, they'd be really good. Yeah, you know, I, looking at it, I was I was going back watching some of the stuff from late last year, then also uh, spring game. There's got to be a way for them to get Devontae Bond and Eric Stryker on the field at the same time because uh, those two guys, I mean, you know, Bond really came on. I was very impressed with him, uh, and I've heard a lot of good things about him in the offseason too. Yeah, I I think that he's a really good player. You know, last season early he was hurt a little bit, and I think that that limited his ability to get involved much early, but – um, you know, once Geno Grissom got hurt and he got on the field, he showed the the talent that he does have. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think that if they can find a way to get Stryker and Bond on the field together, that'd be really good. Whether that's, like you said, with Stryker maybe playing a little bit more like a stand-up defensive end uh, and Bond on the other side, or if they play Stryker some at Nickelback, which they've toyed around with a little bit. Um, you know, I I don't know, but uh, I think those are two, those actually are two of the more talented players maybe on the defense, and it certainly would serve them well to get them both on the field but then you sort of wonder where how then do you get uh you know two out of the three of of evans alexander and shannon on the field um Mm -hmm. do you do you want to go with four linebackers and um and it sounds like they really don't so i so i don't know uh it's going to be really interesting to see how they deploy the that front seven 
Yeah. Um, because I think you have to. I think that now that Shannon's back, you have to get him involved. He's he's too good of a player not to get him involved, and um, so it, it, that'll be very interesting. I'll be interested to see if he can wrestle back his starting position from Evan. Yeah, so that's who you think that Shannon would be uh, moving in for is Evans and not Alexander. I think so. I mean, that was sort of the the role that Evans yeah. played two years ago. Um, but uh, you know, I I don't know. They're both sort of middle. Uh, inside guys, so so I think they could maybe they're all three interchangeable. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how they how they how Tim Kish and and uh, and Mike Stoops work that. What do I, you? I mean, what do you think? That's a that's a great question. I, I I'm I'm with you. I I mean, the, of the two guys, uh, you know, Dom Alexander has been has been some has been pretty solid, uh, but I I wonder. Um, if they wouldn't be better served trying to figure out a way to get to have Shannon and Evans on the field at the same time, um, you know Evans, I, I just gosh, I wouldn't want to take him off the field just because I feel like he's so athletic and uh, explosive, um, you know. And, and I've seen Alexander a lot of times, particularly against the run, have trouble kind of getting off blocks and uh, filling yeah. holes. So I. It, I I wonder if maybe Shannon and Evans together is, is is the right play, but for some reason, you know, it does. I haven't heard any any talk of that, so it's very pro- likely that they there's just something about the way that Evans and Shannon play or what they ask them want them to do in their position that they just you know prefer having Alexander there. I I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds like Evans has put on you know, some more weight and, and maybe he'll have an easier time getting off those blocks. I, you know, I don't know. I, I it's, uh, it's all going to be real interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zach Sanchez certainly has one cornerback spot locked down other side. Um, big question going into this uh, season is going to be who, uh, who fills that role right now. I've got to think Jordan Thomas is the uh, front runner, but is there any chance that somebody else uh, overtakes him in your mind? I don't think there's a great chance that it's going to be anybody else. You know, I, I don't really even know who it would be other than, you know, uh, maybe uh, maybe Dakota Austin. But he was such a non-factor last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of hard for me to see him jumping up and taking that spot unless he's had just an amazing offseason. Uh, to me, it's going to be – and then there's Stan Von Taylor, who to me is very curious. Uh, you know, yeah, he's been a really sense. solid special teams guy, but you know he started, I think, what, the third game of mm-hmm. the year in 2013 as a true freshman. You really haven't heard much from him since, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, you know, I don't, he's not, obviously not in any trouble. He's, he's, uh, you know, I think he's probably doing well in school. I think all those things are fine. I think it's just, you know, he's just, it's not clicking for him for some reason. But, um, so to me, Jordan Thomas has, has pretty well got it locked down. If, if I had to guess, I, I guess anything could happen here in the preseason, but, um, no, cause at this time around this time last year, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was going to, you know, Dakota Austin and Stan mm-hmm. Von Taylor and and Cortez Johnson were sort of the yeah. the uh, the three way ahead of Jordan Thomas. But by the time fall camp got started, Thomas sort of surged ahead of him. So you know, who knows? Yeah, and Thomas was playing a lot uh, by the second game, third game of the year too. So I mean, right? You know, uh, I guess uh, Will Johnson is one name though. I wanted to get your take on. Uh, yeah, you know, he's he seemed pretty solid uh, just based on what little I saw of him in the red white game. Uh, I mean, you see a guy that might see some time. Maybe not there at that other starting corner, but maybe as a nickel. 
Yeah, and I think he's versatile enough to where he can probably be used in some different ways. And um, you know, he, he did have a good spring game. I think he had a good spring. Being on campus always helps. Um, and he's a little bit older guy, so uh, so yeah. I mean, that's another guy I, I think could get involved in that cornerback uh, uh, quarter. Ugh, excuse me, that cornerback battle. Um, but but I also think he could be a solid nickel as well. Okay, well, you know, kind of wrapping things up here, I guess. You know, I've been asked a lot uh, in the off season, people in you know the media, whatever. Uh, you know, do I think Bob Stoops is on the hot seat? And I mean, the answer to that is is clearly um it's the answer to that is no but i think that you know the the bigger issue to me is i think he's just running out of time and so i I guess i'm wondering you know i mean what is going to be seen as a successful year for stoops what uh what happens you know if i mean do you get the sense that that he's still kind of in this for a few more years i mean any any thoughts there you know um uh, that's that's a really good question and, and it's sort of hard to predict um uh, what do I think will be a successful season? I think they probably need to win 10 games for people to be really mm-hmm. maybe excited about the future. And I think they've got to pull some upsets. Um, to me, the last month of the season is so critical. Um, you know, I think they could lose the Tennessee game and still bounce back from that pretty well just because it's a non-conference. I, don't, I think they'd have a real hard time getting in the playoff unless Tennessee winds up being the SEC champion or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I think the real test is going to be when they get into November. If they're if they're nine and zero, eight and one, um, going into November, and then they lose those three games back to back to back. Uh, you know their schedule is so backloaded. If they lose to Baylor, NTCU, and then Oklahoma State, um, you know that, w- Ryan Aver and I have talked about that a lot on our podcast. About is that would that be the end of the Bob Stoops era if they go? If they lose back to back to back to end the season, um, I, and I think probably a lot of that too depends on how they lose. There's so many variables. Obviously, mm. we're talking in July and and or excuse me, it's August now. Or gosh, time flies. Early mm. August now, but um, you know, so so many things can happen. But you know, if they if they lose a close game at Baylor, find a way to beat TCU and and then beat OSU, or lose a close game in Stillwater but beat uh, TCU at home then I think things look a little bit more positive. If Lincoln Riley's offense looks like it's made progress, the defense looks better, um, then maybe things feel better. But if they get blown out by Baylor again for the third straight year and then lose at home to TCU and then lose Bedlam, I think there will be a lot of pressure on Bob Stoops. And, and then it'll all come down to the bowl game. We'll see where they wind up. You know, If they wind up in, in, the, uh, in the Alamo Bowl and, and beat Stanford or beat UCLA or – or somebody like that, or beat Arizona State, then maybe things feel a little bit better and he has another year. But if they go lose that game or they lose the Russell Athletic Bowl again or something like that, I think that that's probably the end of the Bob Stoops era if they, if they lose their last four games. But, um, you know, it's just so tough to say because, mm-hmm. like I said, there's so many variables and there's so many ways to look at things. But to me, I, I think they need to win 10 games or they need to win nine games and have one of those be the bowl game. But that's, uh, yeah. but I, I realize I'm rambling here, but it's no. sort of a, it's a tough thing to, to, to answer at this point. You know what I mean? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, exactly. Um, 
it's just it's a matter of at some point I think for Stoops he's going to get kind of tired of, of you know banging his head against the wall. Um, you know I I look at this at this season and uh, you know it, just look at the regular season. I feel like nine wins is meeting expectations. And uh, you know, I think you know, and I think if they go, to, if they, if an eight and four regular season, it, to me is is very disappointing. Um, especially because I feel like I, I yeah, you know, a lot of the last couple years, the the issues I think have, in a lot of cases have kind of been of Stoops' making. Uh, given, uh, I, I think he kind of fell asleep at the switch with recruiting there a bit. And uh, mm-hmm. also just kind of how he how he managed the roster, you know, the kind of uh, kids that were coming in, um, you know, all the attrition that they had. I mean, you know, he he in some way, you know, that's on him for not doing a better job of kind of seeing all that coming. Um, right. But but they've had time now to to kind of remake the roster. Uh, you know, people you can say, well, they don't have the same level of talent they used to have, and I think that that's true. But they've got enough. And certainly in right. the, in the Big Twelve, they've got enough to compete this year. Um, it, to me, if they if they fall if they don't get you know nine wins in the regular season, I just got to wonder if they just maybe just don't if it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, yeah. I I hope for Stoops's sake that whatever it is, he is able to uh, kind of let go before uh, you know those kinds of of. Uh, decisions are made for him i mean you know i don't think you know they can spin it all they want i don't think mac brown wanted to to necessarily quit when he did and you know and and watching that kind of the way that goes down i'm sure that stoops had to have been paying attention to that um yeah nobody wants to go out that way so i i think he's got it i mean i don't know i i i do feel like in a certain sense maybe the challenge of kind of getting back is is helping drive him right now but you know, I mean, at some point, and enough will be enough. I think. Yeah, and, and you bring up a great point about recruiting. I mean, there's no question recruiting has been off, really, since about 2011. And 2011, um, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw uh, Bob Prisbillo from Scout had a great piece about the 2011 recruiting class and what a miserable disaster that was. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, you look at that recruiting class, and those guys would be redshirt seniors this year. And it's just, it's abysmal how bad that recruiting class was looking back on it. And then 2012, you know, you obviously had your striker, Sanchez, Tapper, um, Shepard. So there were good people in that class. Um, but really since then, they've had so much attrition. And, you know, I know things have picked up here the last week or so. But, but you know, this, I think there, there still maybe are some reasons to be concerned about uh, where the 2016 recru- recruiting class is going. Um, and OU needs to get back to signing top 10 classes. And Bob mm-hmm. Stoops can him and Hall. He wants about how those things don't matter, but they do. And, uh, you know, OU's been in the 15 range for the last couple of years. And they need to get back to recruiting top 10 uh, classes. And, um, and, and certainly, unless they win nine or 10 games, like we talked about, that's only going to get worse, particularly if they lose to TCU and Baylor again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I look back at uh, some of these classes, particularly the defensive back classes that they signed. I mean, you know, the reason why Ahmad Thomas was out there so much last year, the reason why Julian Wilson was playing corner last year is because they they just neglected for so long uh, the defensive backside, and it it really came back to bite them last year. So, well, yeah, yeah. no doubt. 
Well, Jason, I've I've uh, I've had you on too long, man. Uh, you know, so I'll I'll let you get away. I know for a Sunday night. Uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on talking. Uh, any uh, anything to watch out for in the next week or two, or just kind of getting in the swing of things? Man, uh, just kind of getting in the swing of things. You know, I I, I don't I don't really know. Uh, I, I think really this week, you know, since since practice doesn't start till Thursday, I think the thing to watch can be recruiting because, like I said, they've. They've had a few. They've they've gotten a few commitments. Uh, they may be picking up. They may be picking up a little momentum here. And uh, so, um, you know, one thing I think is real interesting is that you know Lincoln Riley nailed down his quarterback for the next two years. Yeah. Um. So I think now they're probably going to start unleashing him on other people on other position groups because he's such a good recruiter. And uh, so if they do that, you know, maybe they'll be in. Maybe they'll be in some pretty good shape. I. Uh, so to me, that's going to be an interesting thing to, to keep an eye on here here the next week or so. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was real skeptical about uh, going back to kind of a pure air raid look and everything, but the more I've studied Riley and, and seen what he's done on the recruiting trail so far, I, I'm really impressed with him. So I'm, I'm, that part of well, the fan I, makes me excited. Yeah, well, and I, I'm going to go ahead and uh, have to uh, have a shameless plug here for uh, for our football preview section. Come, I mentioned, I think earlier, it comes out, you know, every every year in August is, I think, the Sunday before the season starts. This year, we've got a really cool theme. We're gonna um, base it all around the air raid um, for both OU and OSU and high schools, um, and and I think we're gonna sort of take a Star Wars theme to it nah. uh, about you know, about the Force uh, being the air raid offense. So I think it's gonna be really fun, and, and uh, so I want people to start hearing about that and getting excited about it. Cause I think it's gonna be pretty cool. Awesome, awesome, and you did a great job with that piece on Lincoln Riley earlier, going back to Mule Shoe and everything. Oh, thank so, you. That yeah. was that was a lot of fun. That was I, a lot of fun. I can imagine. Well, again, uh, Jason, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Alan. And thank y'all for joining us too for the Blatant Homers and Podcast. I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.